Are you a woman who has felt called to ministry in some capacity, especially in the area of teaching the word of God and felt that invisible lid that lives over you, whether it's due to religious culture in your church or regional culture in your area, or maybe relational culture with and in the relationships of the people around you who just feel like you as a woman shouldn't be teaching the word of God. If that's you, today's episode is for you. Myself and my guest are both female pastors, more commonly known as pastor's wives, and we have experienced that lid that women live under inside the church, and we want to tackle it head on. I think you'll be encouraged and feel empowered by today's episode. Don't forget to share with a friend. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey friend, I wanted to interrupt real quick to share a very exciting new development with you. So Java with Jen previously was not considered a nonprofit um, and donations made to Java with Jen were not a tax write-off as many people have asked me about. But the answer now is yes, any donations made to the show are a tax write-off because Java with Jen is coming under the umbrella of Free Life Missions, which is my husband and I's missions organization, because the show is reaching over 80 nations. So if you have been considering somewhere that you can give and sow where it is not only a tax write-off, which benefits you in tax season, but is also getting the word of God around the world, I would ask you to consider supporting Java with Jen. I am currently praying that the Lord will bring me five new sponsors over the next two months that will be able to give and help support the growth of the show and me doing this full time. And if you come on as a sponsor, I'm going to be sending you a personalized thank you gift um, just to show you my appreciation. And basically, you'll be joining a fun little group of people that are making this show happen, and they're all near and dear to my heart, and it's just a great little community. So if that's you, I would ask for you to go check out patreon.com slash javawithjen. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash javawithjen. The link is also in the show notes, and that's where you can get signed up. Leave me a note when you do that so that I know that you are wanting to be one of my five sponsors that I'm praying for. For. So uh, thanks for jump. Thanks for listening to this. Let's get back to the show. Hey, you guys. Thanks so much for coming back for another episode at Java with Jen. I have a lovely guest here who I had the privilege. We've kind of known each other off and on for a few years, but we really had the privilege of finally getting together and getting to know each other more deeply recently. Um, and I decided to have her on the show because she's another local female pastor. Um, we are often more, more called pastor's wives, <laughs> uh, but I do not want to by any way, uh, minimize the role that she plays in bringing ministry to the people in their church as well as her husband. And so, uh, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. Okay. So you guys need to know a little bit about Carrie. Now she and I have a lot of commonalities. And so when we got to talk and I was like, I think you're living my life. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I about to say. <laughs> it was just kind of fun. So, um, Carrie lives. Okay. You said in your bio, it says OF. What is OF? Oh, Orangefield, Orangefield, Orangefield. Oh, okay. So like Orange, <laughs> Texas area, right down yeah. here on the, on the coast, Gulf coast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she's been married for 18 years and she has two daughters and she's the host of becoming a Bible nerd, which is a weekly Bible study podcast. Uh, newly her husband and she have 18 plus years of experience in ministry, starting as youth pastors to all the things, uh, they currently oversee a micro church and are exploring this new world of missional ministry. Her favorite food is Mexican, and she can eat fajitas every single day. I am with you on that one. And she <laughs> yeah. loves being in nature. It's how she recharges. So that's a really fun bio. I love it. Thanks, Carrie, for sharing that with me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So um, so really, we kind of connected about doing an episode together because I had made a post on Facebook about 
kind of some of the challenges and grief I've experienced. Grief is a strong word to lead with, but um, just some of the challenges I've experienced being a pastor's wife or being a woman in ministry here in the South. And I was a younger woman in ministry over in Arizona. And I found that this weird thing happened that while I was single and young and even inexperienced, I had way more opportunity to minister and to preach and stand in pulpits than I did as a married minister's wife in Southeast Texas. And I thought it was just this bizarre thing that happened that I was like, is it because I got married? Is it because I'm in Southeast Texas? Is it because I'm a woman? Like, I don't know what to do with this. And so Carrie really resonated with that. And actually you shared a really good book with me that I still need to purchase. Um, and so Carrie talk to, talk to that whole thing. We're not going to dive super deep yet. I actually really want you to share a little bit more about your background and your show. And then we'll kind of dive more into like the pastor's wife world and how we can encourage women who have a heart for ministry and stuff. But why don't you share about your show first? Okay. Um, so back in 2016, I really started realizing that people, you know, if people, if I were to be asked, why are people not studying the Bible? I would definitely have said, oh, they're too busy. They're too busy and they're not putting it first. But what I started understanding is people don't know how or where to start with this huge book. And I mean, if you think about it, we're such a technology driven society where, you know, oh, read the short blurb or watch the short reel and, and then move on. But we hand people when they walk into a church, this huge ancient text that was written in the Middle East. So, I mean, it couldn't be as so far, any more far from what we're used to in our culture. So yeah. I um, started the show with um, the idea of, you know, I can help people. I can give them tools and even just accountability, like, hey, we'll do this together. So the idea was for me to go on Facebook live in a private group with about five girls. And, and once a week in the morning, we would talk about the text. Well, it grew. And so just with the podcast and about two years ago, we decided to keep up with technology and um, we switched it from a Facebook live platform into a podcast. And so we meet weekly and we, we take one book a semester mm -hmm. and we take one chapter a week. And the goal is for people to have studied, but then come in, tune into the podcast. And as I'm teaching, I'm saying where I got this information because there were so many times that I would hear pastors and I'm like, well, how did they know that? Where did yeah. they learn that? And so I try to put those tools out there so people can know what to grab and, and to help them understand the culture. I love that. That's so practical and important because I agree with you. Like if someone's a believer, typically they want to know how to read the Bible, but just like anything in life, if something's really overwhelming or really daunting, we're more likely to just put it off and not even try than to try to figure it out the hard way. And so I love that you're simplifying this. What was, what was some of the struggles that you encountered in putting this together or developing that, um, that culture and that environment? Um, well, the, well, the first struggle was, um, honestly, and I'm not like, this is only the Lord and it shows it's really to speak that there are people out there hungry. Um, I, I had no idea the, um, the amount of people that would have tuned in and I didn't know technology. So my first, even my very first podcast or not podcast, but Facebook live, I couldn't get my mic, my mic wasn't doing something and newly had to run in my husband, give me his phone. Um, I, I knew nothing about lighting. You know, so it was really learning simple things like, hey, getting a ring light, um, you know, maybe upgrading my phone because it was so old that the quality wasn't good and um, keeping up with just trying to develop good quality um, with the, the production of it on top of good quality with what I was actually teaching. And I'm kind of still there in that learning process of, of keeping up with the production side because I can just stay and study all day and I'm like right. oh somebody else can figure that out right but so that's probably been the biggest challenge well you know and you're not alone because technology and the way things happen change like completely every two years it feels like you know so yeah. it feels like about the time you catch on and figure it out it's changing again it's like ah, someone make up your mind Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, okay. So what I, what I already am appreciating about your story is that you saw a need and you took action to meet it because it's so common. And I feel like sometimes I fall into this trap. People looking in from the outside might not think I deal with this, but I actually really do deal with this where I'll get a great idea and I'll just sit on it for a long time. 
and I have to be really kind of pushed to take action. And, uh, and so how did you, how did you get past the intimidation? I mean, you knew you weren't technologically uh, like set up for all this stuff. Yeah, honestly, because I went into it thinking, oh, there'll be five girls that, that tune in. And so after I am somebody that I'm going to complete what I started, I'm not yeah. going to just halfway do it. And so once I got in it, I'm like, well, there's no looking back now. Yeah. But um, really, I think what helped was that the Lord, you know, maybe hid that from me when he was going to make of it. And I really just thought I can get, I mean, I can get on my PJs, no makeup, five o'clock in the morning with five moms. And we can do this so quickly. I mean, after that first episode, I'm like, well, it's I'm in now. I've got to yeah. figure this out. There's a choice going back. Right. Okay. So now, now the fact that you're teaching these women how to study the Bible, were you intimidated? Do you, how did you feel qualified to teach women how to do that? Okay. This is something that I tell all of the people that I have the privilege of discipling, uh -huh. uh, because I think that that's probably the number one thing. People don't think that they know enough. Like they want yeah. to be discipled, but then when it, you turn around and go, okay, well, let's, let's look at Jesus's model. He discipled them and then he released them two by two to go. And the majority of people say, oh, well, I'm not equipped. Yeah. And I always say, do you know more than someone else in your life? Could you say like, I, I know more than them. And yeah. every time the answer is yes. And I'm like, okay, just go and tell those people what you know. We don't have to, there's not like a limit that we have to know before we do that. If you right. know this much more, then go and share that. Share yeah. what you do know with other people. That's all that discipleship is. I agree. And I think that for a long time, I think of our parents' generation, and, and I guess to some degree, it's still true. There was this idea, not that the idea is not true, but like the qual the qualifier could somewhat be true that they're like, you're not an expert in a field unless until you put 10,000 hours into yes. that area. And so I think sometimes in our heads, we think I am not in a position to teach until I'm an expert. And so I haven't put in 10,000 hours, thus I'm not qualified to be in a position of teaching anyone, which I appreciate maybe the humility that can be in that of like, Hey, I don't want to teach someone wrong, you know? So there's something sure. to be said for that. But at the same time, just like you're saying, if we all wait to be experts in what we're doing before we offer it to the world, we will literally never offer it to the world because rarely does anyone actually hit that 10,000 hours, unless it's like a degree in your it career. Well, again, we look at the Bible for our source and we see that there were, if you study um, outside of the Bible, just the, the, the the way that the rabbinical system worked in Israel, the people that became rabbis did put in the hours. There was a school system and there were cuts throughout. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, he was revered as a, a good teacher, but he doesn't go to the rabbinical school to get his pupils. He goes to the kids had, that had gotten cut. We know they got cut because they weren't in school. They were fishing and so forth. And so we look at really his example and all through the Bible, we can point out, you know, even King David, you know, he was the youngest of all the brothers. So God has a pattern of using people that don't have all of the qualifications and the expertise because it's his power moving through us. And yeah. so he gets the glory. I love that. You know, Chris Valatin shared a story about how um, he actually had been offered by, I think a Bible school or whatever to have an, uh, an earned doctorate or something like that. <clears throat> and so instead of like going to school because he'd already put so much study in or whatever. And so they're like, you just complete this little bit then you could get your doctor with us. And he's like, awesome. So he started pursuing it. He tells his mom, she's all excited. He's like, I'm going to be a doctor, you know? And then he's having time with the Lord and the Lord puts his finger on it. And he was like, um, you never asked me about that. And, and he was like, well, like, uh, I mean, I figured why not? And the Lord was like, because if you become a doctor, then everyone will think that what you're doing is because of your ability and they will not realize that what you're doing is because of my ability. And I want you to be a testament to the world of what I could do through someone. And so, uh, and that's not to say that education removes God from the equation, but for him, the Lord was like, I am receiving glory from the fact that to man's eyes, you don't actually know what you're doing. And yet fruit is coming from your life. So let me keep getting that glory, you know? And so I just love that because you're right. The Lord does need a space, which is kind of beautiful when we are weak, it gives him the space to show himself strong and capable. And so when you look at that, then it removes the argument for not making disciples and not stepping out. And so absolutely. 
I love that. Okay. So as a pastor's wife, female pastor, whichever way you go, <laughs> however you want to call it. Um, I get asked all the time by other women who are passionate about doing ministry. How do you balance ministry and motherhood? And how would you answer that? Especially since you've been a senior pastor as well, which I've heard so many senior pastors say things like you can sleep when you're dead, which I do not subscribe to that belief. I need sleep. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. If I'm going to look like yes. Jesus, I need sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just feel like so many times we've seen ministers not do it healthy because the demands of ministry are so great that it feels like the demand is never ending, but then we have our families, we have a responsibility to. So how do you approach that aspect of life? Well, um, that is a great question. And I think it's such an important question for everyone that is in any type of ministry to, to evaluate in their own lives. I saw a good example in my home where my dad had a full-time job, but was also like a lay staff, you know, what, what do you call that? Like he was basically a staff member at a church, but had his own full-time job. So if the doors were open, he was there, but he, I never felt like that encroached on our family time. We had so many memories and, and he just really carved that time out. So for us, we definitely have to carve time out and be intentional about it, by put saving, like saving things on the calendar. For example, this semester back in February, there were, a, there was a five week period that Neely and I were, or I knew they had together or me by myself. We were out of town for four out of the five weeks. And on the one week we were home, my daughter went to a youth thing. So there was five weekends in a row that we weren't together. And um, so I just knew, hey, there's nothing on these weekends coming up in the next month and I need to guard those. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like there's going to be seasons of life where it's busier than others. So we just communicate with our kids like, hey, I know things have been hectic. This isn't forever. Next month, I promise I've got a couple of things. Like, I think I even planned something for us to all do as a family. So in, in that aspect, you have to be intentional. You've got to put it on the calendar. You've got to block off things to say, no, this is for family. But and also, um, I think I shared this with you when we were visiting, there was a season when um, becoming a Bible nerd first started. When it first started, I was doing two Tuesdays and Thursdays teaching. And again, this blew up faster than I thought. So I'm digging in, learning how to study on a whole new level. And it, it consumed me. And I can remember my, my youngest at the time was probably in third grade. And she walked into the living room and she rolled her eyes and said, you're always studying the Bible. Well, on one hand, you could say, oh, look, she's noticing me studying the Bible, but she had discussed, <laughs> it was disgusting to her. And so quickly I was like, Lord, I need help with this because I do not want her to look at the Bible yeah. as something disgusting. I want her to look at it as life. So help me. I, I didn't know how to navigate this. And yeah. so I just really learned that, you know, like I'm going to get up early before she gets up. But when she comes in, when she wakes up and comes in, I'm shutting it immediately. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful because like I said, the Lord just helped me navigate this. But within months, she completely did a turnaround where she would start asking me questions like, how do you study? What do you do? And really in that semester, she took her Bible up and wanted to start doing it with me. And um, she has, I mean, now it's just a daily habit where she wakes up and comes into the kitchen and does her Bible study. So the Lord really showed me just how doing that little tweak completely changed her heart and actually gave her something that, um, you know, she started craving it instead of being disgusted by it. I love that. I feel like, I feel like a lot of times we overcomplicate what it takes to keep our family feeling like a priority. I know that I always remind myself of this phrase rules without relationship equals rebellion. Oh. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I would even change that to say anything good without relationship will still equal yes. rebellion, you know, because the reality is if there's not a relationship there, then resentment grows and bitterness grows because at the bottom of it, our kids are just asking, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? That's all they're yeah. asking. That's all any of us are asking of anybody we're in a relationship with. And so I know for me, like, I, I, I don't know if I have this mastered or not, but I feel like we have a pretty good groove because I feel like there's a lot of intuition involved in like when the seasons are busy and boys, boys are probably a little less needy than girls maybe are. Um, but with my boys, like when I hear my son make a comment, like, Oh, you're always on your phone, you know, because I have so many things I do. I run all my businesses from my phone, you know? And so when I hear him say that I intentionally put it down give him my attention, love on him, you know, try to fill him up a bit because really what that's saying is 
I don't feel seen by you right now. You know, I feel overlooked. And so I feel like us as moms, whether you're involved in ministry or you have your own business or, you know, you just have great hobbies or whatever it is. I think we just need to make sure that our priority is making them feel seen, feel heard and like they matter. So little things like, in fact, I heard someone else say the goal with your kids isn't, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how they said it was, but it was in essence, it was like, it's not so much about the quantity of what, of the time you're giving them. It's how full they feel at the end. Mm, And so, yeah, like leaving your kids feeling full when they've spent time with you. So 10 minutes of really great connection can do more than two hours of sitting on the couch, not really interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so I try to, I try to maximize like eye contact and really like giving them my face when they're talking and sharing stuff and really being excited, you know, just all those little things that tell them, I see you, I hear you. I'm like, I'm vibing with you. Like I'm excited about your world. And I have to watch myself when I get stressed out with work and they have like a field trip come up that I need to go be on. (laughs) I have to be careful, you know, that I'm not making comments. as like, Oh, I've got a lot of work to do. Oh, stinking field trip. You know, I've done that. And, and really I have to remind myself, they're getting a message when you do that, that you don't want to be with them, you know? So I think it's a constant dance and ebb and flow, but. And and as a Christian woman, I will say this, whether, like you said, you're in ministry or not as a Christian woman, our number one job in discipleship is our kids. And so we could be knocking it out of the park in other relationships and meeting needs for other people. But if, if they feel slighted, then what's it all for? Because that's our number one priority. Yeah, it's true. And, and I find too, like the little things like, um, like I try to make sure every night it doesn't happen every night, but probably 90, 80, 90% of the time at the end of the day, I'll go in and I'll connect with each of the boys at bedtime, you know, ask them how their day was, talk to them a little bit. Sometimes it becomes an hour of sitting in the room, talking to them. Sometimes it's just a few minutes. Um, and so just those little things to make them feel seen and heard are really, really important. You can, you can do ministry and be a mom at the same time. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So now you've no doubt seen and experienced a lot of things, both like victories and hurts. You've been in ministry for a long time. Um, And so how do you keep from allowing past hurts in the church world to harden your heart towards new relationships and new experiences? Because I think the number one reason people fall out of the church is that they were hurt. And I mean, it's common. It's common enough. We're all going to experience it at some point if you're in the, in the church for an extended period of time. So how do you, especially as a pastor, I feel like pastors are, are, are subject to a lot of hurt when people that they've been pouring into don't handle exits, right. Or, or Mm -hmm. don't respond to them with respect or whatever. Um, so what, what maybe is something that you've experienced and how you overcame the hardening that wanted to happen? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, there's a, there's a long line of stories that I could tell. Um, you know, so the the first thing that I have to do, um, I'm married to a counselor, so he's big on self talk. Um, so I mean, I do. I have to self talk because Satan's going to whisper lies to you. And the yeah. number one thing he wants to do, well, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but he can do that by isolating you. And so I have to, you know. I, as I've grown older, because I'm a sanguine by personality, you know, I want to be where the party is. I want to be where all the fun is. But as I've gotten older and experienced these hurts, I have found comfort in my own home and mm-hmm. I can be a hermit and I can be a okay with it, I think. But I know that that's not how God created me. So I'll have to just kind of identify like, okay, these are the lies. These are lies that I'm believing and it will lead me to isolation. And that's not truth. So I have to just speak the truth of God's word and remind myself, like literally go through that action of reminding myself. But I would say that first or not, not in any particular order, but that's one thing that I do. But secondly, I have to get on my face before God. And there's been many a time where I just have to, I mean, I just pour out my heart to him. I have to just literally hand it all over and that you know, the sadness, the hurt, the rejection, but then also the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness. I have to just lay that all out. Mm-hmm. And it really takes humility. And, um, you know, you have to just realize, oh gosh, I'm nothing without you. And I have to hand this all over. And in that, 
gosh, I mean, I've, I've gone to counseling through this, you know, my husband's a counselor, we believe in that. And I've gone to counseling because I sometimes we need help to just figure out how to process all of this. But one of the greatest lessons that I've learned was, um, I think the book is called The Calvary Road. One of uh, my counselor had mentioned for me to buy it. And the whole entire book is about picking up your cross and following Jesus. And in it, it really makes you question, okay, Lord, what are you doing through me in the season of pain? Like there are some stuff there, there. This is a time opportunity for you to get some really yucky stuff out of me that I wasn't even aware was in me when life is great. Yeah. You know, that the Lord can expose these ugly things when we're going through hurt or pain or rejection. So, I mean, it's not always fun. I don't always nail it, but once, yeah. you know, I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, well, this isn't life giving the thoughts that I have. I've got to get on my face, mm-hmm. repent of these things, lay them at God's feet and ask him to do a little bit of surgery in my own life. That's good. That's good. And I feel like really, whether you're in ministry or whether you're not, you're going to face this kind of stuff. Relationships bring, bring pain and, and the Lord is good enough that he will let us walk through those painful places to break things off of us. Yes. What is it? Is it Chris Valentin or Bill Johnson that says that the Lord um, will not violate who he's made you to be, but he is not afraid to offend who you think that you are if it doesn't align with who he's made you to be. And that hurts. I mean, cause that's pruning, you know, like whenever you, you go into a, a rose garden and the gardener like literally is cutting things off. And one of the things I learned, I was in Turkey and we went to a vineyard, a, a grape vineyard and a lot, some of the things that the, the, the vine, I don't know what they're called, the, the leader of the vineyard, the gardener. One of the things that they do is they're removing healthy beautiful leaves so that the sun can get to the grapes Mm -hmm. and so I mean that hurts like of Mm -hmm. course there's garbage that God wants to cut out but sometimes there's really what what we think is healthy and growing and vibrant but he's Mm -hmm. like oh there's something behind that that I need to this the the sun to touch and so it's not fun it hurts but it's for our own health and growth yeah yeah it's you know I always think about whenever I'm going through something difficult my prayer is literally always, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to be learning so we could get through this as quickly as possible? <laughs> you know, because yes. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to be like the Israelites circling that mountain for 40 years where it could have taken 40 days, you know, like yes. Yes. Get me around this mountain so that I don't have to come back to it. And, uh, and complaining will keep us there. I do want to mention that it kept the Israelites there complaining We'll keep us there. And so I know in some difficult seasons I walk through, I do know that like, because a lot of people, we don't realize that when we go through something painful and we find ourselves naturally wanting to put up walls and guard, that's not actually a sinful response because it's actually a human biological response because your brain is wired for safety because safety is how you survive the world, right? Survive danger, survive risk. Yeah, biologically wired to look for. And so your brain is creating maps in your brain. This pathway will take me to safety and good things. This pathway takes me to dangerous, painful things that will hurt me stay away. And so when you experience harmful uh, experiences or painful people, your brain is literally trying to build a map saying, no, 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 avoid that. Stay away from that. That's a bad place. Don't go there. And so what we then have to do is then not override our hearts, but like bring wisdom and bring the, the overcoming that God gives us and love that overcomes evil back into the equation. And that's where our will comes into place and our intentionality comes into place. And so I have to remind myself, like my instinct to stay away is not evil of itself. It's not bad of itself. It's just survival, but we are not designed to just live in survival. We're designed to live in flourishing. And so we can't stay there. Whether spring is upon us, New Year's is around the corner, or fall is on the horizon, we always have a reason to be digging through our closet and updating what we have to wear. But for a lot of people, it just feels a little rude going in the closet and looking at clothes that you just don't know what to do with. Many of the women I've worked with don't know how to choose clothes that will flatter their body or capture their style. And so she finds herself defaulting to jeans and a t-shirt or better yet, hmm, yoga pants. Listen, if that's you, your frustration is valid. 
but I have a solution for you. You guys know I love fashion and it's because I've worked with over 9,000 women and have seen them come out of their shells and make sense of their clothes and feel not only amazing, but like they found themselves. Learning the basic skills to help their outsides match their inside awesomeness is something that changes your life. If you want help in this area, go visit jsamuelstyling.com. That's jsamuelstyling.com and click the link to check out my less than two hours workshop where I drill down to the most essential information that you need to have a total style transformation in bite-sized pieces. You'll be surprised how some simple keys can unlock so much revelation and confidence in your closet. So go again to jsamuelstyling.com, tap the link that says check out my workshop, and grab the workshop for less than the cost of a new pair of jeans and experience your own style upgrade while you ditch all the closet overwhelm. Let me help you find the style you'll absolutely love. That's good. Yeah. So, okay. So moving on from there, um, I have sat with a lot of young pastor's wives that were literally in tears and Mm -hmm. they felt extremely overlooked or invisible. And like, they were unable to find their own outlet and their own voice for ministry because you know, that in the ministry world, and this, this will probably speak to a smaller segment of women who live in this space, but in ministry, a lot of times it's the husband who is employed by the church and the wife is kind of like, we're just the, the, the add-on, if you will, the side dish is what I call myself. Sometimes the side dish, <laughs> but a lot of expectations come with pastor's yes. wives. Like you're yes. the pastor's wife, you should be doing A, B, and C, and you should be here with your husband and blah, 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 blah. And I have had to intentionally say, no, I don't care what the expectations are. If I'm not paid, I'm not employed. That's not my job then my priorities are over here. And I have to be very intentional with myself of where my priorities are. But for years and years and years and years, it was very painful to be doing all the things of ministry, but none of it was actually truly what I was called to do. I'm called to preach. And in 18 years of ministry, I've never once preached on a Sunday morning. And we have pastored in four different church situations. I've never been asked to preach on a Sunday even though every one of my senior pastors knew that was a calling on my life. And so it always left me very like confused because I was like, but I thought, I thought if that's the calling, then your gift will make room for you and people will make space for you. And, and I had to realize like, Hey, I might actually need to pursue in creative ways, this thing Mm -hmm. that's on my life. That's why I started my podcast because I realized I have a responsibility to steward what's on me, whether men make room for me or not. And so I don't know what's behind that. Maybe the Lord was allowing me to stay in a season of of invisibility to like forge some character and push me towards my podcast because now it's listened to in 80 countries. That's bigger than a congregation, you know? And so- But it has been painful as a pastor's wife to feel overlooked. And I know it's not something I'm the only one who's experienced because so no, many that's a very pastors. common, but yeah, it's yeah. A very common. I can remember, I mean, gosh, I, my, my very, I was in Bible school, um, went to my home church after a mission trip. So I graduated, I went with Teen Mania to Thailand for four to six weeks. I can't remember how long it was, came home and my pastor invited me to share about my journey and didn't give me a time limit. And so I had a lot to say, I mean, it, it, I, I was under the impression like this was the service. And so I took the amount of time that it would take when I was done, I sat down and he got up and preached. And I just kind of looked at my mom confused and she was like, Oh baby, you can't, you can't be the person to give the sermon. And I was like, what? Like I grew up in the church, but like, I guess I've never, and, and I mean, not that my mom was a, in agreement. She just knew like, cause that didn't happen to her previously. And um, so, you know, that, that was where I grew up like, oh, I'm not allowed to preach. Where is that in the Bible? And, yeah. and I know that people can come on here and, and they can quote scripture, but that that's really taken back to becoming a Bible nerd is about understand the context 
and the culture that the book was written in. Mm -hmm. And so you can take these isolated verses and say, oh, Paul told the women to shut their mouths. So you're not allowed to speak. Well, no, really, who is he communicating to? What were they doing? Mm -hmm. And um, so you really have to look at these instances. But I think in the South, um, that is just a common generational belief that women are to be in the church and they, they can do all the work and that, you know, enter the data, make the phone calls, but to have a voice, I, I, I think that that is a common thing in the South, but then to add to it, I have been in places where that wasn't the belief system of the pastor. Um, they did identify that I had a gift, but it might've been once or twice in my 17 years of ministry that I was asked. So e even in that space, there's still something there with, with women. And I, I, I don't know if it's an intimidation or just like, oh, I didn't even think about it, yeah. you know, like, because that's not the normal role. So like you said, speaking to other women out there that have, you know, that are going through this. Um, you know, the Lord is not up there in heaven going, oh, I gave you this gift. And now these men came in and won't let you, you know, he's not worried <laughs> about this. Yeah. And um, something that you touched on, I mean, he is the creator of the universe. So he will give us creativity. Maybe, you know, gosh, he would love for you to be on the platform and to speak and to use your gift. But he, like, like, you know, with you, the creativity of the podcast, and now it's going much further than a Sunday sermon would go. And so for you and I both there, it was this platform of, of podcasting and being on YouTube. Um, but I would say to a woman out there listening, who is going through this, and they're brand new at these feelings, just be faithful with the small and God will start adding more and what that looks like is maybe you going in on a Sunday morning and noticing well there's this young mom in the corner who I've seen her come by herself um she's quiet she's not you know diving into all of this she's maybe she's meek maybe she wants to be seen but doesn't know how and invite her to your house and have coffee with her and get to know her and speak into her life. Use your yeah. voice, yeah. use what God's given you to invest in that. And then you will start seeing other doors open and you'll start learning to recognize the doors. I think God is giving us doors all the time, but we don't recognize them because they're packaged differently than what we have envisioned for our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're faithful with those small things, I think that we all will be blown away with the creativity and the doors that are open to use our voice and even larger capacities. I agree. And I think something I had to realize along the journey as well, because I was big on be faithful, just, just be faithful. God will promote you. Be faithful. God will promote you. And so I was faithful for like years and years and years and years and years and years. And I was like, when does the promotion come? <laughs> you know, like, like, okay, I have been so freaking faithful. You know? I've like, been there. And, uh, and so, but I realized at some point I was like, I was waiting for an invitation. And I realized, I was like, you know, Jen, to sit back and just wait for the world to invite you is kind of arrogant. Like that's mm -hmm. a little arrogant. Like in scripture, the people who were the, uh, the stewards of their talents, they didn't sit around and wait for an invitation. They took their talents mm -hmm. and they went and invested them. They took action with their talents. And then I, I mean, just looked around and I was like, practically from a leadership position, if someone wants to sing on the worship team, for example, and I don't know that they can sing. I don't know that they want to be on the worship team. I don't know any of the things until they come tell me. Well, I'm also not going to know to just go give them an invitation unless supernaturally God just speaks to me one day, you know, but that is not super common that that just drops out of heaven. Right like practically use your mouth and communicate your desires and communicate your gifts and communicate that you're available. And so I realized like men do that really well. Men run after yes. the things, you know, because they're built yes. to be the pursuer, the aggressor, the, the conqueror. And so that's built into them where we women are more inclined to sit back and wait for an invitation. And I oh, realized, and, and so I just realized I was like, okay, 
that's not going to do me any favors just sitting back. I need to actively, proactively steward my gifts and look for an opportunity. And so if room is not being made for me at the church after I've expressed again and again and again that I want to be used, then I need to look for something else. And, and I did wrestle thinking, well, then that's me trying to promote myself. That's not me letting the Lord promote me. But the reality is I wasn't manipulating. I wasn't badgering, I, you know, just, but communication does matter. Like if people don't know what your gifts are and they don't recognize where you want to be used or what's in your heart, then you need to communicate that. And I find that people actually, once they know what your goals and desires are, they actually do want to encourage it. They do want to support you and help you achieve your goals and dreams. And so you got to communicate, but then when doors don't open, like you think they should, don't take that as a rejection. Take that as the Lord may be redirecting you to look at something else, because I never would have started my podcast if I had found all the open doors at church. And, and I realized that the Lord's, what I perceived as plan B actually was probably the Lord's plan A, but I was, mm. I was putting, I was putting my imagination in a traditional setting that I'd always seen. I didn't, there was no podcast yes. when I was younger, you know? And so the Lord had to allow that frustration to come to cause me to get desperate enough to look another direction. So what would you say to all of that? Oh, I, I mean, I agree 100%. And, and from a, a pastoral side, um, you know, I'll just kind of speak from, from the opposite side of somebody hearing what the, the person's dreams are. Sometimes they just don't know how to fit that in. And I've been there. I, I had um, a very dear woman to me sit down and tell me how the Lord had given her um, just a, a beautiful study on a particular thing in the Bible, but she didn't know what to do with it. And I knew that she was coming to me like, you know, like, hey, you know, just like you said, Hey, I have this and I'd like to be used. And I prayed. I mean, I, I, I admire this woman, the study that she put into it. It was a great study, but it's like, I don't know where that fits here, Lord, like show me. And, you know, I prayed about it for months and never got an answer. Well, soon enough, she started a blog where, and again, like people from not just our congregation, but all over can hear and, and, and grow and learn from this. So sometimes it's not just that the, the, the people in ministry above us are just, you know, muzzling us. It can feel that way. But some, like you said, sometimes the Lord maybe is not even showing them how to use you because he has different plans that don't look like things that we're imagining. So, um, again, God is so creative. And if we just give that to him, he is going to show us how to do it. And yeah. tagging on to what you said, like self-promotion, it's not, it's not, it's just, it's using your talents. We have to have that perspective where we're not self-promoting. We are using the talents that God gave us. And even if we are headed in the wrong direction. Let's look at the apostle Paul. He just went, Hey, there, there's this whole region that, that they have not heard the gospel and nobody here's doing it. So I'm going to go. And there were times where God did not want him to go to certain places. So he, you know, he revealed that it was like, no, 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 no. You're a little off course. Um, and sometimes it was even revealed through persecution, yep. you know, but, but it, it would always, whatever it was, whether it was just the voice of God or a shipwreck or angry mob of Jews, it helped guide his path mm -hmm. to bring him to the right place. But nobody looks at Paul and say, well, gosh, he just self-promoted. No, he went, he saw a need and he tackled it. And then God used that obedience to yeah. we're here today because of it. Yes. And can I like, I feel like you just, you just shared something that is gold and can change our lives that I hadn't seen quite like this, but you're so, you're so right that Paul many times if, if people that maybe haven't even seen this in scripture, that he'll say the Holy spirit didn't want me to go here, but I went and I faced persecution and, and it's because he had a passion for those people he was going to. And the Holy spirit was like, that's, that's not where I'm sending you. And so the Lord allowed persecution to redirect him. And so when we face hardship, a lot of time, this is a pet peeve of mine. People will go, the devil is after me. The devil is attacking me. The devil, this I'm like, people, we give the devil way too much credit. Just saying <laughs> that the Lord allows the, the hardship of life sometimes to discipline us and redirect us. And so we need to be 
thankful. And that's where we can be thankful in all circumstances that I'm thankful now. I wasn't thankful then. I cried a whole lot of hours of tears, you know, feeling so rejected. But now I look back and I'm like, Lord, I'm thankful that you allowed me to be redirected because I'm going to go where I'm celebrated. I'm going to go where I'm received because that's where I'll bear fruit. Right. And so if that's not where I was received, I'm going to go like this. And it was hard, but I didn't know what the Lord had for me. I had to kind of figure it out as I went. And so now this is where I've landed. And, and ironically, my husband has a podcast too. I created it for him. My podcast is a lot more fruitful and a lot more, um, uh, it's grown more substantially than his has. And it's not a comparison. I'm just saying his grace and his space is in the church and mine yes. is in this podcasting media world. And so you can see it by the fruit of what we're putting our hands to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just to encourage anybody, if you have faced the persecution, like Paul did, possibly the Lord's going, kink, 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 kink. let's move you this way. Yep. And, and, and to tie into what you said, don't, we don't want to be like the Israelites in the wilderness wandering for 40 years. We want, we need to have that perspective and that thankfulness and to, to look at this as, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm not going to complain and just see where God takes us. It's true. So I would, I would encourage everyone for what we just covered, all the different things that we just covered. <laughs> if you're a woman and you're feeling like there's no room for your gifts, the bottom line here is Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you're not seeing and where he would have you use your gifts. Ask him to open the doors that you're meant to walk through and close the doors that you're not meant to walk through and trust his hand in the process. He never sleeps on ordering our steps. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't fall asleep on it. So trust the Lord in all of that. Okay. So Carrie, what would you say maybe 10, 20 years ago to younger Carrie, what advice would you give to younger Carrie that would have been valuable wisdom that you could give to someone else who's in that place? Um, so I would say to be quick in your obedience, Mm. younger Carrie took her time. She was always second guessing. Is this me? Is this God? And I think in the small things, if we practice quick obedience, Mm. then it's easier in the harder things that we're hearing from God and going back to what we just said, if, instead of second guessing and wanting like, Oh God, bring confirmation. Was that really you? And and asking the million questions. What if I just said yes and went, God Mm. can easily steer a moving car. It's so much harder for him to steer a parked car. So if we just stay parked, well then in second guess, everything that he's telling us, then we're, we're not doing anything. But if we just say yes and go, he can very easily through a million different ways, he can steer us. And so I wish at a younger age, I would have learned to just say yes. And there are times where you're in something good and you don't want to leave. And he's telling you to leave, but he, always has something better for us and um so just through the years I've learned because I have I have been the one to drag my feet on the obedience Uh but I've learned that he always has something sweet in that next season and so um yeah definitely just practice the the quick obedience and the small things so that you will be quick to to do that in the harder things. Amen. Girl, to, to confirm that I've literally, literally was meditating on that very concept this morning and how, when I've been quick to obey, there's fruit from it. When I'm slow to obey, I can't blame the Lord for there not being fruit. <laughs> you know, I have made fast out of my slow responses, right? Oh Lord. Okay. So how can people connect you now? You guys don't go anywhere. I'm going to share how you can connect with her, but Carrie has some life hacks for us that are going to be tucked in at the end. So don't go anywhere. Um, but Carrie, how can people connect with you if they wanted to get involved in your group? Okay. For, um, we're on Spotify and uh, Apple podcasts. You have to type in the hashtag becoming a Bible nerd. There is a Facebook group. Um, and it's important to get into that group because that is, um, we do things besides the podcast. I mean, I, when I say we, I have a team of people that work with me. We produce blogs. Um, we have, um, a ladies retreat that is really, um, for spiritual healing. Um, and it's an, and it's in a small venue. We accept 15 people a semester. Um, and that is at, um, the local beach we had in Galveston. We're gonna have a crystal beach, um, here in the fall, we're getting ready to do some, um, marriage, uh, marriage retreats. And then we also have periodically something called Bible nerd nights. It's for the community. It's free food. And then you just, we come out and worship 
God together. We want to um, build unity in that. And so all of those things are usually posted in the hashtag becoming a Bible nerd Facebook group. We're on Instagram. It's all under becoming a Bible nerd. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're adding some old studies um, as we speak to YouTube. And so those are all the places. I love it. I love it. All right. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. That way you guys can find it easily. Um, okay. So don't go anywhere because Carrie has some fun life facts coming right up. Okay, Carrie, what are your life hacks for us? Oh, I love how the Holy Spirit works because I literally was like, okay, life hacks. Um, and then we've touched on this several times, you and I both through this podcast. But my life hack is when I'm going through a season of dryness or disappointment or even, I mean, really it needs to be anytime, but I always am redirected to this is I get a journal out and daily I write something to be grateful for. Um, I don't ever want to be one of those Israelites wandering around the wilderness, griping and complaining. And it really does change your perspective. And it's silly things like, oh, Lord, I'm thankful that I can sit at a table and study with my window and I can look at nature in the backyard. Uh -huh. I'm thankful that my kids are healthy and at school today. I mean, just whatever. But I try to put that into practice that at the beginning of my day, I literally write it down in a journal, something to be grateful for. And it just will change everything. That's so good. I literally just started doing that too, where like either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, if I like don't catch it one or the other, I just saw a friend on uh, Facebook, they posted and they put, it was like, number 1000 thing I'm thinking. And so he was like, I'm so glad I took this journey of writing a thousand things I'm thankful for. And oh, I, don't know, wow. I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he just kept going in this journal. And so I started doing that where I put a date and then I put as many numbers as I could think of and then come back to it the next day. Oh, that's neat. I need to start numbering mine. Right. That'd be super fun. Okay, cool. Well, I love that. You guys listen, that life hack really will change things. Keeping your, your brain in a space of, um, of being grateful. Actually, we showed the kids a video the other day because we had to really nip some complaining in the bud. And so we watched this little uh, video from YouTube that was like psychology 101 basic stuff. Oh. And they said that complaining actually shuts down the neurons in your brain that allow you to problem solve. And it actually like dries them up. So the more that we complain, the less capable we are of problem solving. Yeah. And so, but the more we are thankful and grateful, the more capable we are because we're looking at the bright side. We're looking at the possibilities, which is where problem solving comes from. And so I was like, oh gosh, that's dangerous to be a complainer. <laughs> Cause I, and I told the boys, I was like, boys, people pay you money for the problems you solve. If you want to get paid a lot of money, solve big problems. And so when you're complaining, you're literally cutting into your future paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> that is great advice. And I love how the Bible is just so practical. God doesn't always tell us the why, but he created us and he tells us, I mean, gosh, there are warnings about complaining and there's um proverbs about being grateful and then there's science behind it i love it i love it too so carrie thanks so much for coming on my show it was a really beautiful conversation and i'm so excited to get this out to my listeners and so you guys listen thanks so much for listening share this episode with a friend if you know a woman who feels called to ministry i think she will specifically be encouraged by this episode but if you know anybody who you feel like this content was relevant send it to them that is how the podcast grows that is how it is getting around the country and around the world. In fact, update, we are now no longer listened to in 75 countries. We're listened to in 80 countries. And last week, apparently we charted in Mexico. So that's another new country to add to the, to the list, the seventh country we've charted in. So you guys, thanks for sharing these shows and getting these out to your friends, throw them on Facebook or Instagram. And if you do make sure you tag me so I can see your share, um, and then reshare it on my platform as well. Um, go check out merch also at javawithjenmerch.com. If you'd like to get you some swag and I will see you guys next week. Thanks, Carrie. Ah, uh, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. 
Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple, and He wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.